folks. Hold on. (laughs) Welcome to the Book Squad podcast. 94% bookish banter, 6% shenanigans. From Lawrence Public Librarians, Kate Gramlich and Polly Kim. How's it going? What's up? Uh, that much. <laughs> some stuff. Some stuff is up. We're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Welcome to some. the Book Squad podcast. Mm-hmm. Coming to you from the Sound and Vision Studio at the Lawrence Public Library. Yep. It's our 14th episode, I think, if we're counting right. Mm-hmm. nice. Counting isn't my jam. Mm-hmm. No, that's why we have notes here. <laughs> uh, so... News items. Yeah. I have a thing that I heard about on uh, on Wait Wait Don't Tell Me on NPR that I wanted to share with you. Mm. It might be of interest. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, Audible. I know Audible has a new uh, a new suite of features for romance listeners called Audible Romance. <laughs> they are very good at marketing. Okay, now I'm getting real nervous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if it's like a if it's a, it's a, I should have looked this up, but I think. I don't know if it's its own app or if it's a feature on the website, but um, you pay a monthly thing mm-hmm. and have access to um, things are broken down by 32 micro genres. In um, romance? Yeah. And there's things like Scottish, um, Ooh. vampire. Ooh, um, Scottish. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's like seven bucks a month. So seven bucks of Scottish a month. Uh, and there's 122 story and character tropes. And That's, so I think these are kind of like appeal factors, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, it's things like um, friends to lovers, mm-hmm. um, you know, exes. Mm-hmm. All these um, sound very familiar to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, things like that. Well, and a big feature about it, um, besides us breaking it up into things that are easier to browse, uh, they've got a feature called Take Me to the Good Part. <laughs> Where you can jump forward (laughs) to the juicy parts, or what I think might be more likely is that you jump backward repeatedly (laughs) to the juicy parts. (laughs) Yes, well, I can see. At first I was like, I would jump backwards because this is the thing. Like, I, you know, I like a juicy part Uh as much as the next person. Yeah. But I have, you have to earn the juicy parts. That's exactly what. for me, Mm -hmm. because I like romance. Right. There has to be this character development a and a build up, yeah. and you know, so that makes the juicy parts like part, yeah. like an imp- in- important part of the story. Yeah, it's the build up. Um, yeah, this guy, so, one of the guys was like, "That's like calling the show Tell Me instead of Wait Wait Don't Tell Me." <laughs> uh, but but I, I appreciate that some folks would like that. Well, and also like maybe <laughs> just mm-hmm. just spitballing here. Maybe you're <laughs> revisiting a book that you know you already like mm-hmm. and. Uh, or like this let's just outlander <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's just mm-hmm. go to this scene um and i and i think that they do it by um like doing keyword searches i think it's that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> member oh no 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 we're not gonna talk okay, about sorry. yes anyway the I keywords yes i think that that might be what they do heaving uh anyway <laughs> but you'd also you'd have to do it You'd have to have a, a wide bank of keywords because in, like, Regency romance, you know, in, like, mm. different romance probably mm-hmm. has different language, mm-hmm. you know. Like, mm-hmm. things like Fifty Shades are not going to call no. it the same thing as the mm-hmm. story. But. So I I bet you wish you had that job coming up with that keyword bank. <laughs> <laughs> They've also got, though, a steaminess meter, which is a thing that you have talked about on different um, – from mm-hmm. different blogs and stuff. But mm-hmm. there's sweet, simmering, sizzling – Hot damn and oh 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 my god! <laughs> so I like it. Yep, this is a nice so this is hilarious. a nice appeal factor. Okay, well I'm gonna tell you I I generally don't listen to romance. I mean I don't, uh-huh. um, and maybe I should try to listen to some romances. But I just I mean I like to read them. Yeah. Um, but I don't. I don't know. Maybe it seems like weird that someone's reading it to me. Although uh-huh. some people really like it. Really depend on the narrator. Mm-hmm. It would that could really kill depend. It. Yes, yeah, it totally could. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should make that my. Uh, I'll make it my Thanksgiving <laughs> resolution. <laughs> um, no, well, I'm not do that. As a, on a nerdy note, um, 
So GeekWire, there's a GeekWire article about this that I was looking at. And the title says, New Romance Service. Um, but you can tell just if you're a nerd like me, like if you look at the URL, it gives the original title because the wording is slightly different. Because the original title must have been New Romance Package. <laughs> and then I think someone was like, wait a minute, let's let us rethink that. So I got tickled by that. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So, all right, what do you have that's... Okay. Well, I have nothing... Just as titillating. That's... There's no... It's not even close <laughs> to, to the titillation factor <laughs> that you're referring to. I just have the 2017 National Book Award winners. Mm. That's all. So, um, let me tell you. I'm just going to say first, mm-hmm. Sing Unburied Sing, mm-hmm. Jasmine Ward, mm-hmm. your fave, Yay. and... A lovely cat's human. Yeah. Your cat's babe. Um, I know your Instagram friends and she <laughs> she likes your stuff on Instagram. So um Jessamine Ward won. Yeah, I'm so I'm so excited for her because she's just the, the nicest yeah. nicest human in the world. So um I'm really glad she won. And the next book is The Future is History, How Totalitarianism Reclaimed Russia by Masha Jessen. Um, Half Light, Collected Poems, 1965 to 2016, Frank Bedart, <laughs> or Bedart, if you want to be normal about it, but why be normal? Um, From the Tree, Robin Benway is the last. So, um, Is it bad that I have not heard of any of those other ones? Well, for- not necessarily, I would say, because, you know, um, you, you don't. I don't know how much non-fic you read. But, or... I mean, but even, like, as far as shelving goes and mm-hmm. stuff, I don't think – I feel like this is the second time I've admitted that I don't – I'm not familiar with. Have we talked about the finalists in fiction? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Since fiction's normally our jam. So yeah. Dark at the Crossing, Elliot Ackerman, The Leavers, Lisa Ko, mm-hmm. Pachinko. Yay. Uh, Min Jin Lee, yeah. Her Body and Other Parties. Oh. By Carmen Maria Machado, um, and then Sing Unburied Sing. I want to read, I want to read the Leavers and her body and other what's her body and other parties. parties. <laughs> Not problems. <laughs> no, her body and other problems. Um, yeah, so there's some books for you folks out there. Yeah, to get on hold for because, and I'll actually I was going to check in about Pachinko because I did finish it. Oh yeah, well. It was a to-read list that I, like, actually read, which is not always the case. (laughs) But real quick, um, I did want to also say that I learned yesterday that Margaret Atwood is, um, like us, a Scorpio, which is not surprising. We should do a video of that movement. Our hand motion for Scorpio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, It's not surprising because she's great and (laughs) everybody is great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then again, so is Margaret Mitchell. (laughs) We got one Margaret win and one Margaret loss. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although we might get some angry comments from Gone with the Wind fans. Bring it. I know. Bring it. I will rip. I will get that article again that says <laughs> historical context is not a whatever it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. So, yeah, get at us if you're a Margaret Atwood fan or a yeah. Margaret Mitchell fan. Yeah. Let us know. Or if you're a Scorpio, you just want to. Or a Scorpio. Scorpio podcast. Because we might have, yeah, we could change it to the Scorpio podcast. (laughs) And then like four people would listen. (laughs) Uh, Mm. So next up, two book minimum. Yeah. It's time for two book minimum already. It is. Do it. All right. Okay. What's yours? I go first. Well, I have things in the theme of our She Said, She Said book, which is coming up. Mm -hmm. Um. I, do, I don't know. I think I read that, and it reminded me of these other books that I read. Mm-hmm. So um, get ready, folks. Similar also to Margaret Atwood. Because I'm, yes, mm-hmm. I'm going to take it down. Okay. Just some really disturbing oh, reads. Great. Some people like disturbing reads. Oh, so. I do. Yeah. Unfortunately. I meant great. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes our disturbing reads seem to be... Really mimicking real life. But, uh-huh. um, okay, so our, the first read was, um, I didn't even, I wasn't even sure what I was reading when I first started this book, um, Unwind by Neil Schusterman. It came out in 2007, so it was sort of like mm. the first wave of the dystopian 
I think, you know, when Dystopian was really starting to come online. Um, it's a YA book. And the premise of the book is that um, there is, well, actually, I can just read you this little section because it pretty much... Um, the Bill of Life. The Second Civil War, also known as the Heartland War, was a long and bloody conflict fought over a single issue. To end the war, a set of constitutional amendments known as the Bill of Life was passed. It satisfied both the pro-life and pro-choice armies. The Bill of Life states that human life may not be touched from the moment of conception until a child reaches the age of 13. However, between the ages of 13 and 18, a parent may choose to retroactively abort a child on the condition that the child's life doesn't technically end. The process by which a child is both terminated and yet kept alive is called unwinding. Unwinding is a common is now a common and accepted practice in society. Wait. How? <clears throat> so to, when you when get to you're, 13 you're like oh, when you get to 13 and um well actually uh, there's a number of reasons why you might choose to be unwound. So if you aren't reaching your full potential, um, oh God, which was the whole screwed. argument. I would have been yeah, so Probably. What 13-year-old um, is reaching their full potential, though? Right. So um, you, if you're getting in trouble a lot or whatever and, and uh, your parents think nope, your life force would be better used for um, to be pieced out and given to other people who are contributing yeah. in some way. You can be unwound. Not technically. You don't die. Um, you just cease to exist. You, you're a life force. Your life, your pieces, your parts, your bits, your body. Like your literal bits? Your literal body is taken apart and given to people who need donors. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. Huh. So it's like, huh. Mm-hmm. I know. So um, it's a little bit creepy. So, and the, and actually... It's interesting when you get going because you realize, you know, there are other, um, like one person is, um, she's a, like a, a orphan. Mm-hmm. And so um, a lot of the children who end up without parents um, end up unwound because mm. then the state has to pay for them. Mm. Um, one And one kid that's one of the main leads in here, um, his parents actually had him um specifically to be unwound as a sacrifice as part of their religion. Whoa. Yeah. So um, so you have to like, but you raise a kid to 13. You raise a kid. Um, and as long as that kid um, between 13 and 18, at any point, the the parents or the state or whoever can decide that that, ch- that child would be better put to use. Whoa. It's pieces going that to other places. So messed up. I know. And so, but once you reach 18, they cannot touch you. Mm-hmm. And so um, kids who are about to be unwound, if they find out about it or if they know about it, um, they go what's called AWOL, you know, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. they describe as an old army term, which is sort of like, uh, you know, the how yeah. in the future this is. Um, so okay. disturbing. It's by a dude. Mm-hmm. Okay. It is. But it's very, um, I don't know, it's very, you can't put it down. Yeah. Uh, you're just like, oh my gosh. And I will tell you, I, there are, this is the first in, of a trilogy, um, Hmm. which I can't remember. It's unsold and un... Unbossed, unbossed. (laughs) No, that's, that's surely. (laughs) So, um, if you want to, you know, read something a little different, that is a little different. Yeah. It's not, I'm aware that we're just before the holidays Mm -hmm. and I'm talking about this really disturbing stuff but let me get to yes number two next disturbing book (laughs) this one i've been wanting to read um you really should because it's fantastic when she woke uh hillary jordan it is actually um like a dystopian reimagining of the scarlet letter Mm. um but it's actually good unlike Mm -hmm. the scarlet letter (laughs) hey oh sorry english teachers um so uh, the hannah Payne is the protagonist you know Hester Hester Prim. Prim. <laughs> I know so in in this particular <clears throat> imagining so people can be um when you've been convicted of a crime um and abortion is a crime in this particular world um you 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 are chromed um which means they change your skin color to match the crime that you did so um misdemeanors get yellow um murder is red Whoa. Um, uh, child molestation is blue. Um, I can't remember what the other colors, but so, um, that's um, that's considered murder. 
Oh, um, so sure, so uh, she's from Texas, and um, she is protecting the identity of the father. Mm. Who I won't tell who it is, but you'll be able to figure it out if you've ever read the Scarlet Letter. Uh huh. She uh-huh. belongs to a big mega church. Uh, hint, hint. So. Um, it's really, um, yeah, it's really good. So the, in this world, um, you get chromed, and then you, um, for the first 30 days of being chromed, you live inside of a cell, and you're you're constantly broadcast out. So people watch this on their vid screens uh-huh. as, like, entertainment, oh people who've been chromed. Um, and then, of course, you're released after that because everyone knows what yeah. you did. Um, so you can live out amongst people, but... Um, Everybody knows knows what you did. Uh And so, you know, if people decide to take some retribution on you based on your crime, well, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's also a really um, it's just an interesting imagining of of things. And it's so um, it's, you know, not entirely different Uh, than it's not it's not unimaginable in any way. Based on our love of reality TV uh-huh. and based on our oh, yeah. you know, um, legal system and things like that and the patriarchy and you know, uh-huh. so you're you're reading it and you're like, it's this this could uh-huh. actually That's happen. Yeah. So, um, but I would I would recommend it. It's it's good, you know well written. It's good. Also, you can't put it down. And and Hillary Jordan, if you're familiar, um, she's also this was her second book, I believe. She also wrote Mudbound, mm-hmm, which, which I is read many years ago. Yeah, and well, it's now that's a Netflix movie. Okay, and it's actually um, really really well done. But that's not that's that's historical. That's historical okay, fiction. Right. That is okay. not. Yeah, okay. it's not disturbing anyway. Yeah. It's historical, but it is also extremely but disturbing. disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is set in 1940s Mississippi, and mm-hmm. the two main characters um, the, yeah, are... Is a young white girl? And, no, the oh. two main characters are um, a young white man and a young black man who have just both come back from um, the war and their experience. Did I read this book? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you didn't. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> I mean, there is a, a young white girl in it, but the, the main no, story revolves around okay. their, um, oh, their shared friendship and uh-huh. their kinship. You know, and what happens as a result of that? Okay. So um, no, I thought of the book I was thinking of. So no, that I've not read that one. <laughs> Get out of here. Yes. Okay. Now you go. You talk about your books. Well, we'll see if I know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, so one, uh, this one just came out this year in I think Mayish. Um, is I'm gonna hold it up to you as though someone else can see. Yeah. One day we'll all be dead, and none of this will matter. Uh, by Sachi Cool. Um. It's like the wheel I'll be dead and none of is crossed off. So it's like one day this will matter. So it's it's, it's interesting. Um, okay, so this is a book of essays. Um, and uh, she is a BuzzFeed writer and also like kind of a Twitter um, – not a Twitter celebrity, but like a – What do you call a Twitter A high-hitting Twitter uh, t- – uh, Twit Leopardy? Twit Leopardy, yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> um, but she writes about um, really hilarious things like her interactions as uh, an American woman with um, Indian – I mean a Canadian woman with Indian parents. Uh, she writes about like the cultural differences and and the grudges that they hold for forever and like the extreme nature of their relationship and, the, and how they um, – her dad sort of drives her nuts because he's just like her. Like they're so both, they're both so extreme and can kind of turn hot and cold. Um, and so it's it's really wonderful, sweet stories. But then um, also talking about a lot about um, about the patriarchy and about uh, body image issues and um, about colorism within the Indian community. Uh, and oh, wow. yeah, and mm-hmm. so kind of similar to. We are never meeting in real life, where mm-hmm. it's it's a nice balance between personal and funny, um, and then also very um, raw and um, and emotional. You know, I should read more. Political. I should read more essays because I'm finding I'm going to throw out another. So I just finished. <clears throat> sorry, I just read Heating and Cooling 
by Beth Ann Farrelly. It's the one I gave oh, you. Oh, yeah. The little <clears throat> one that I picked out. Yeah. yeah it's tiny. It's so tiny. Yeah. And I think actually Katie Stover, I saw her recommend it mm-hmm. um, at Book Expo or something. And so um, same thing. And maybe that's what essays can do snippets. is where you just mm-hmm. it's like, um, you know, so short and mm-hmm. it. And then you're like, oh, ha, ha, ha. oh, it's like kicking the gut right mm-hmm. after. And I was thinking of that in the Amy Krause Rosenthal yeah, exactly. um, yeah. books, the same kinds of thing. Maybe I'm an essay fan. And you I might just, be. Yeah. I just haven't, you know. Yeah. I just said, I just didn't, didn't click with me. I, David Sedaris. Well, I mean, yeah. You know, that's, like I, I, mean, I, I said I wasn't this. a short story fan, and apparently I really am. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Know thyself. Yeah. You mm, don't. No. You never do. Uh, yeah, this, and the, I mean, the protagonist, the writer, she's, uh, like 26 or so, or 25. And so it's written from a very young point of view, um, and gives a pretty interesting depiction of, like, of her college experience, and, and I guess she's my sister's age. Um, but she's also, like, very wise for her age i hate when people say, I hate when people say that about me when, at that age but um but yeah it was it was really great uh, yes so and then uh a next non-fiction this is my two non-fic uh is a really good day how microdosing made a mega difference in my mood my marriage and my life by ayala waldman um i'm listening to that on on audiobook and she reads it and uh she does a really fabulous job um, so she was a public defender, um, and is an author and, uh, raises four kids with her husband, a famous author, another famous author. And, uh, she has major mood disorder. She's been misdiagnosed as bipolar two, one of the bipolars. Um, and then also with PMDD. And so she's not really sure like what what she is, what she had, like mm. what she's dealing with. Um, and so she went into this major research project, uh, looking into microdosing LSD and, uh, and she's defended a lot of drug cases. She's very well, she's very knowledgeable about, um, the criminal justice system and drug use and things like that. So she decided to wow. do a bunch of research and try this microdosing experiment. Um, and it, is fascinating her mood she does like a journal every day she's like you you microdose just um like 10 percent of a of a standard dose uh and so it's a standard dose for lsd yeah it's like 200 micrograms or something like that and so Hmm. she's taking 20 Hmm. or whatever that Mm-hmm. percentages that I don't know. <laughs> uh, and so it's like nowhere near hallucinating at all. You just, you basically just feel like you can sort of brush things off. Like you're very just, um, you're just very mindful and you're just having a really good, productive, huh. centered day. And you're very grateful for things. And yeah, it sounds fascinating. Um, huh. So she's talking about this and her experiment or her experience every day while also then talking a lot, which I really appreciate about um, knowing that she's very fortunate. Cause even if she got caught with the minimal amount of LSD she has, she's white and mm-hmm. middle-class and therefore she's not going to be punished um, in the same way. And so she, she talks a lot about the criminal justice system and um, the war on drugs and the racism inherent in that. And so it's not just a just memoir her of her but, trying right. a drug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really neat. Um, yeah. So I've, I've really liked it. That's interesting. Uh, Does she talk about like, I mean, what if you don't, what if you don't actually have a mood disorder and you try this? So what happens to you? Same thing, basically. Uh, like, you, what if you already normally feel that way, the way she feels on the drug, and then you take the t- the low, the twenty micrograms or whatever? You still don't hallucinate at all. You just feel great. Um, and she, well, she <laughs> talked about how like Steve Jobs and a lot of his cohort, um, like major tech people and major science people they all microdosed a everybody's lot. doing it everybody did it yeah are they yeah. did it they're not doing well it i mean like, what's happening steve jobs is dead right yeah so but like, before <laughs> before he started like really becoming mm-hmm. right the steve jobs mm-hmm. he microdosed um and so how that is how about this 
Because she did all this research. I mean, how did those people know about it? Just a thing? I don't know. We don't know I, about I this. know. Where's my microdosing? I know. I don't know. Oh, I know. Weird. But yeah, and so I guess the way, just a side jaunt into apparently how LSD works, um, you, uh, you're, you're, they may have also not microdosed. They may have just regular dosed. Um, <laughs> but so you can either have like this spiritual journey if that is what you're hoping for, mm. which a lot of people I think do it for that reason. Um, or you can have like this personal introspection um, or if what you are tasked with is solving a problem or coming up with a new innovative idea, you will do it on this drug. Like your brain is just, it hyper-focuses your brain into being able to solve whatever problem, spiritual or or technological. It just sounds awesome. That sounds scary. I, I know. You know. And no one I, died, no one died of LSD. I, I mean, from the actual drug itself. Really? Yeah. Except There's like no... in after school specials. Yes, she talks about this. She talks about this. Yeah, no, that's actually based run on a myth. out of a window. Based on a myth. Mm, I don't know. I, I watched spoil. a lot. I know. Of after she school said specials. that she is extremely square and extremely terrified of drugs and talked about how, through her research, pretty much everything she knows about all of it is just wrong and wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I want to microdose, but I do want to check this book out. Because it's a great book, and I just want to know. I just don't. It's like a whole. It's a swath of life that I don't know she about. She said she has to like take back tons of stuff that she's told her kids. Oh wow! And she's got like teenage kids and stuff. And I'm still gonna lie to my kids. It's an yeah, <laughs> absolutely yeah. You <laughs> could do it FYI. while you're microdosing. Hey just kids, lie. if you're yeah. listening, yeah. <laughs> but it's just it's incredible. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> there was our two book minimum featuring. Mm-hmm. Two creepy books and two nonfictions. Uh, Unwind, <laughs> When She Woke, One Day We'll All Be Dead and None of This Will Matter. And A Really Good Day. Um, yeah. Oh, plus. Also, I wanted to check in and, and say. Cooling. I'll put that in the plus show what, Oh, yeah. Heating and cooling. Mm-hmm. Um, plus also, I did read Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. And mm-hmm. I talked about it on the last one. And it was um, beautiful and brutal and wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Are we ready to she said, she said? I think so. Okay. Well, let's do this. I'm going to let you set this up since you've read the book twice and I've only read the book once. All right. Uh, so we're going to go toe-to-toe discussing mm-hmm. uh, the book of the unnamed midwife by Meg Ellison. It came out in 2014. Yes. It, it's, well, yes, it, it was the Philip K. Dick Award for Distinguished Science Fiction in in 2014. Okay. It won the award for that. Good. So it probably came out around then. Mm-hmm. And then her then there's a sequel that came out this year. Um, so here's the description of the book. When she fell asleep, the world was doomed. Dun, dun, dun. When she awoke, it was dead. <gasps> in the wake of a fever that decimated the Earth population, killing women and children and making childbirth deadly for the mother and the infant... The midwife must pick her way through the bones of the world she once knew to find her place in this dangerous new one. Gone are the pillars of civilization. All that remains is power and the strong who possess it, a.k.a. men. Mm. Um, a few women like her survived, though they are scarce. Even fewer are safe from the clans of men who, driven by fear, debatable, seek to control the remaining uh, to preserve her freedom, she dons men's clothing, goes by false names, and avoids as many people as possible. But as the world continues to grapple with its terrible circumstances, she'll discover a role greater than chasing a pale imitation of independence. Man, I should do audiobooks. I don't know if I agree with that assessment. I don't either. I don't either. Okay, so what I described it as during uh, Book Club Speed Dating mm-hmm. was, in a world in a where world. there's a fever that like wipes out most people, like 90-something percent mm-hmm. of people in general. It was like 98 of men. Which is ridiculous. Uh-huh. And then like 99, 99 point whatever of women. Of women, yeah. Um, so it's this fever. Women are dying. Um, this nurse midwife gets it somehow because there are some people who can get it and um, recover. Mm-hmm. She recovers, wakes up, realizes everything's over. Um, and then she goes on this quest um, – because the the infant mortality rate and the what's it maternal what's it Ma- 
Maternal death rate. There you go. Uh, because those are so high, like 100% basically. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, she goes on this like Johnny Appleseed quest of uh, mm. distributing birth control mm. to everyone, every woman that she sees, mm-hmm. um, which are very few. Uh, and those women are all pretty much ch- chained and gang raped or Ooh, whatever, yeah, all these was, different things. Yeah, that was really hard. Um, but, and to be, to be able to do that as a woman, she has to pass as a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and she uses a compression vest and she thanks her trans men of yesteryear <laughs> or something like that, um, for, for access to the mm-hmm. compression vest. Uh, but it does, there are, it's, I don't know. I, I think don't know. it's, well, well it, I mean, there was some, there, I mean, definitely when you get to the end, you're like, oh, there must be a sequel somewhere. Yeah. Um, because, you know, something happens at the end that you're like, oh, uh-huh. now what's going to happen? Yeah. Because so, if this ended devastatingly, mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't think I would have left my house. I know. I still feel like it was a little devastating. It though. was. Yeah. So. So. Okay. Uh, okay. We we just discussed this in my uh, one of my book clubs. Um my legs are stuck. We just discussed this in one of my book clubs, and uh, that's what you get everybody, for having long legs. I know, like a fawn. Uh, <laughs> there were like sixteen or seventeen of us. Um, it was a small crowd, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody, if they didn't enjoy the book necessarily, they are really glad that they read it, and they found it really compelling mm-hmm. um, and disturbing as hell. Uh, but there was a lot. There was a lot to talk about. So I'm I'm interested in hearing kind of. What you have mm. to say? Well, I would say it scared my pants off mm-hmm. because I mean, this is the thing about I mean, the mm-hmm. th- that's this when I read this, it reminded me of the other two books, and that's why I used them, obviously. But um, you know, it just it just I mean, I would put this book in the horror category right. if it hadn't had some piece of uplift at the end because to me, like this is my version of horror. Mm-hmm. It like that. Yeah, I don't. There know. are no more women. There's the there's no more women. Like there. the only women that are left are subjugated in some way. Mm-hmm. Except for I guess there was the weird there was the weird hives. So like yeah, occasionally she did run across um a hive, or, and there and there were uh, stories of other hives where it was one woman and I mean, one was like and forty men. Uh-huh. Who, um, you know, they just replicated sort of bee society where, you know, there was a queen bee and there oh, were the drones. men were drones and um, they sort of made new rules for themselves and the men protected her, mm-hmm. um, you know, but then she also serviced all of them. Well, and they serviced you know, each other. And they serviced and each other. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was this just like Service. a sort of a new euphemism. <laughs> so um, there was just this sort of. I will say new world order, but that's like it's the oldest world order right. in the B world. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. Like, it was a B world. They order. just took. I mean, we're all kind of stripped down to our basic animal nature, and mm. so then this particular kind of animal nature existed, where they just recreated a hive. So I'm, you know, I don't know. I had some. Well, and they did a lot of. There was a lot of drugs and. And I don't yeah, I don't know. Maybe bees, maybe pollen is like drugs to bees. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So there was some setups like that. um, And some women who didn't have hives, they chose to like play their quote unquote power, um, their sexuality, which they had no power. I don't know. Yeah, there was really no power. I mean, and, and just and most women then were, you know. Kidnapped and chained and traded for goods or and services. lived in a Mormon community. Mm, yes, was a different kind of thing. right. But that started going bad too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Sorry, we are not just, plot based. No. We are not really helping anybody Everything's with this just book. Evolved. So let yeah. So let's go back to let's go back to the plot. So, um, it did remind me. You know, we talked about the parable of the sower mm-hmm. some episodes back. So if you remember that, um, there were some. The whole, you know, that that people couldn't, uh, like, births were not mm-hmm. viable anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the similar sort of thread. And then what happens to women in a in a society where um, 
births are not viable anymore, um, but people keep hoping mm-hmm. that births will be viable. And so then the reproductive power of women has to be controlled in some particular way. Mm-hmm. And then also Station Eleven, which um, – you know, the the piece of Station Eleven was like, you know, ninety nine percent of people are wiped out by a flu, and then they um, there's this band of Shakespearean actors who are sort of wandering around. I still have to read Station you 11. do, it's so good. So that that's the part that, you know, that Station Eleven just like hung with me, um, and so I feel like it's like those two books had a baby and then put that baby in a Walking Dead sort of onesie because that was the other. <laughs> yeah feel that I got for it. Yeah. I mean, people weren't turning into zombies, but it's definitely that feel of like, and I'm really, Gritty. I'm just fascinated by, by stories of when society completely, you know, breaks down and then has to reclaim some sort of equilibrium after some huge event. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say I'm fascinated by them and then also terrified by yeah. them at the same time. So, um, you know, I, and I'm wondering like, um, you know, I'm interested in like how sci-fi authors sort of handle that, whether or not they reimagine something completely different that we've, yeah, that... you know, I mean, I guess you always have to see it through the lens of the society that we live in. But a lot of them that I've read still have, they still deal with, um, you know, especially the power between men and women, mm-hmm. I would say, because that's, that becomes such a central sort of like, how are we going to repopulate Mm-hmm. this world that's been completely decimated. So I sort of feel like race sometimes still plays a factor, um, but not as much mm-hmm. maybe in some things. And, you know, class is reimagined all, uh, in a different way yeah. because, you know, class is now, I mean, it's still about like, do you have access to medicine yeah, or food or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. So it's about who can, who can grab the most resources mm-hmm. and control those resources. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, you know, I'm interested in like when we have the opportunity to start over, how do we do that in science fiction? How do authors handle that? Well, and she she doesn't ask. She doesn't AMA ask me anything on Reddit. um, Oh, really? Which is really cool. Yeah. In like our sci-fi, I think. And uh, she talks about her influences being things like – the Road, McCarthy's mm-hmm. The Road, um, and then uh, James Tiptree Jr., who's a sci-fi writer, who's oh. actually a woman. That's actually a pen name. Oh. Yeah, I learned a lot in this AMA only, nice. or in this AMA alone. But um, and she talks about Walking Dead and things like that, and and just trying to capture the terror and the kind of like just everybody goes rogue um, and is sort of fighting for their own. Yeah, self or their own family if they have one or or whatever kind of clan they put together, um, and just the desperation that goes into that. Uh, I uh, what I really like about this compared to some sci-fi that I've re- read um, or 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 sci-fi or like dystopian movies that I've watched the very few that I have watched um, is that she addresses like the mundane things like periods and armpit Mm. hair and stuff Mm -hmm. because nothing annoys me more than like seeing a movie shot where this woman is like you know in isolation for three months and her pits are completely (laughs) bare it's like what am i doing yeah so i like and and i i credit it to the fact that she's a woman that she thought of these sorts of like what do you do with your body? Like, what, mm-hmm. you know, what you're still, you still have to right. We're deal s- with the physical aspects of your body. Yeah. And, and yes. um, maybe I should read up just women sci-fi. Yeah. I don't absolutely. know. Because that's, yeah. I mean, that, that stuff is important to me too, where there's that sense. Of, I mean, I know I'm reading fiction, um, but there needs to be some sense of, if you're of, one, yeah. Like of acknowledging like the reality of like you said, like what would happen to your body if you didn't have, you know, the things that we have. I mean, just some acknowledgement yeah. of yeah, all exactly. of the things some acknowledgement of all of the things that we do now uh-huh. as humans to sort of fit into our cultural narrative of mm-hmm. like what we should be doing yeah. and then, you know, with our bodies and then like what happens when that doesn't exist anymore. Right. And she, um, because she was um, 
as she was trying, she was passing as a man. She also has to sort of like, she was observing men before she decided to kind of chop off her hair and do this Mm -hmm. um, mission. Uh, She was observing men and seeing how much differently they carried themselves. Mm -hmm. And one critique from one of my book club members was that maybe she uh, over-exaggerated the differences between men and women in this, but it's, it's to make a point, you know? Um, But she talks about like posture and, Mm -hmm. um, the cadence of her speech and, you know, peppering in, um, like, like choosing the more extreme word in any situation. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of cussing in this. Uh, but that was really interesting, too, to kind of look at the um, the differences there and and point out cultural commentary. You know, it's it's I feel like there are some things where it's just like, well, she chopped off her hair and then she was a boy, you know, like Mulan. Right. Or whatever, you know, and <laughs> right, and no, there's, it's like there's a it's lot a more, more that goes it's into more it. reality based in yeah. terms of you know what what might go through your mind or how you and manage how you it yeah or... just how you carry yourself uh-huh. and yeah so so she did a lot of like realistic she incorporated a lot of like realistic things that I really mm-hmm. enjoyed and yeah. maybe that's what I was focusing on the second read around mm-hmm. which made me less devastated by the plot itself right is that I was sort of noticing those things mm-hmm. now have you read the, mm-hmm. the second one okay. yeah the book of edda uh-huh um my friend hannah uh she liked it better um i liked the first one better but i also mm-hmm. i mean I, I enjoyed the second one yeah too. and i got the sense so i don't want to give everything totally away but like you know um when the book opens mm-hmm. there um you can tell that they're writing from a place of like recounting the history. And so when the book opens, you can tell that a sort of a new mm-hmm. society has arisen and that um, there are, you know, and, and it focuses on, it's probably, you know, probably focuses on birth. I mean, it focuses mm-hmm. on like birth and the importance of um, women. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know if that means that the next book, like a, you know, matriarchy has arisen or something like that. Um, that centered, but you know, if it centers around this biological imperative, I don't know like mm-hmm. what that means necessarily. It's really interesting. Okay, the second one that and that 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 definitely reminded me of the parable of the sower, where mm-hmm. you're like, you know, there's like a religion sort of arise. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, um, which is interesting to me. I mean, it's like if we had a chance to remake mm-hmm. our society, what would you know? And what that, text? They're rewriting their own text in this particular yeah. scenario based on this his, this historical catastrophic event. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's interesting because like the she's writing this journal as for, kind of for posterity, kind of for any future uh, any hope for any future mm-hmm. um, reader, uh, like a his, future historian. And th- the book opens and then closes with realizing that her text is the Bible, basically, of, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not necessarily instructions, but it's the history of how this new world came about. Right. Um, And so a lot, so a lot of it is epistolary. Yes. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that journal and letters Uh, or is that just letters? Maybe that's just letters. It's, but it's it's, journal entries and then also like the journal entries. And so the other thing that was super interesting to me that, you know, I mean, it should be a dead giveaway. The name of the book is the mm-hmm. unnamed midwife. The book mm-hmm. of the unnamed midwife. You have no idea. But so there's, um, you really do never learn the name of this person. And so um, as you read the book, just pay attention because in the parts where the action is happening and it's not recounting, um, the midwife's name mm-hmm. is like so. the midwife is referred to whatever the name that the midwife has taken give, yeah. during that interaction. Her identity is so, so fluid sort of in that. Right. Yeah. Which is sort of, that's a fascinating way to write that, I mm-hmm. think, from that, you know, thinking from the author's perspective. Not spoiler necessarily, because I think it might be on the back of the book of the next one. But in the next one, it takes place generations after. Um, oh, wow. And uh, it's like of the time period that this book starts and fin- like opens and ends. Okay. Um, so more like kind of cur- current day, more or less for them. Uh, 
And there's a lot of gender play in it. Mm -hmm. And so the name of the protagonist and the pronouns shifts radically throughout the book. Yeah, she's really freaking interesting as far as gender commentary and presentation and stuff like that goes. So that so that also like kind of pulled me out of the terror, you know, is just Right. Well that's good. I mean this is a this is an interesting time to be reading this book because yeah. we're just, you know, if if you're listening to the news anymore, <laughs> because a lot of us don't like to listen to the news anymore, but if you listen to the news anymore, you know, every day there's a just new revelation different. of yeah. Um, some, se- some sexual just... har- harassment. I'm let's let's Sorry. just let's just stick to the facts. Yeah. Some commentary on, se- on sexual har- harassment. Um, mm-hmm. And it feels like there's and who knows if this is just a blip or like an actual sea change. But it feels like there's this sort of flip mm-hmm. of of acknowledgement that there is a power differential and acknowledgement that this stuff is happening and mm-hmm. it has been happening forever and, and it's still happening and we all need to talk about it. And so then when you read a, a fiction novel where a fiction novel, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> when you read one of them, they are things, um, you fiction really, a fiction novel book, uh, you really get, you're like pulled out of, but uh-huh. then also, Pulled out of today and then also brought back into yeah. today, like especially when the topic is mm-hmm. is this, you know, sort of topic. So I don't know. It was interesting to read right now. And um, and I think I I think I really do like sci-fi more than I re- realize. Um, it's not. For, well, it's, like it's not. there's so much social commentary yeah. in sci-fi that's done in a way that is um, – is a little maybe more accessible than I mean I love to read nonfiction sociology type mm-hmm. books because that's my background. Um, but sometimes distancing yourself mm-hmm. it makes it more discussable. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and you can point out things. I mean, sometimes uh-huh. when you tell a person a fact, they're like, "What?" Yeah, and then you write that fact in a dystopian book, uh-huh. and people are like, "Yeah, that's out." Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. I I agree. Good job, I, sci-fi. Yeah, I totally agree. And and I'm sure hashtag not all sci-fi is uh, is necessarily doing like a lot of social commentary. <laughs> you made me spit my coffee. I'm sorry. Um, but it seems like a lot of sci-fi that's written by women, um, specifically women of color, mm-hmm. and then also mm-hmm. anything that comes out of like the Afrofuturist movement, which I need to do more research into, right. is super. Super social commentary, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think that You're that's right on. super fascinating. Mm-hmm. I really, yeah. And I wouldn't say like that's the thing is like you can enjoy reading a nice like a romance or a historical fiction or something like that. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily enjoy reading dystopia in the same right. way. Uh huh. And I know you know I since I read a lot of romance, I know that romance authors are putting a lot of social commentary mm-hmm. in their romance yeah. these days. And it's just still feels a little different. Sure. I mean like well, you're when you read that one. you're like, uh-huh, yep. You know, but when you read sci-fi you're like, oh <laughs> yeah. Um a little different. So <clears throat> you you know, even if you're reading, you know, a little romance to just sort of escape there is still you still can relax a little bit but you also are like thank it's i'm thankful they're acknowledging important things mm-hmm. like you know consent is on the page and things like that mm-hmm. you know that that's important to me that they're acknowledging this reality at the same time i'm reading this escapist sort of thing yeah sure. um anyway that's how i felt about that book i think people should read it i'm so glad i think people should read it this i think i picked it up from like shelving and Midwives are like a fascinating favorite topic mm-hmm. of mine anyway. Um, and the cover was very interesting and it was one that I just had not really heard much about. And so I read it in like a night, loved it, mm-hmm. demanded that we get it in a book club bag and then <laughs> yes, forced people to read it. And I'm so glad this is like a yeah, – Yeah, this would I'm, be – if you have a book club, this would be an, a fascinating book club. Yeah, we had, we had like a two-hour long – yeah. And I think – so Eli's speculative fiction book club is going to be reading it. Okay. And so if you're in you, town, you guys, you're I know I would like the club. social justice book mm-hmm. club to read it as well. So um, three of our library based book clubs will probably be reading this book yeah. um, for sure. And I think we'll have some rich conversations around it. So highly recommend it for book clubs. If you read it as a listener, um, 
please weigh in. If you if you hated it, um, let me. I mean, tell Polly. <laughs> because Don't tell Kate. She gets her feelings hurt. I get very. Yeah, I take everything very. Personally, but you can tell me. But uh, yeah, tell Polly, and she'll she'll you know she'll she'll you know we'll talk about sugarcoat it. Sugarcoat it to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I won't let her read the comments. Yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Cool. So. I guess we're up to, uh, we can't always be reading, right? True. Okay. What have you got going on? Well, um, first of all, I was supposed to go see David Sedaris again last. I've seen him before. Did you know? um, I didn't. I couldn't. My husband was like, so the sad thing was is someone gifted us these tickets because they'd been ill and were oh. not able to go. And then my husband got ill yesterday and I could not, like, I didn't get home till very late. And yeah. at the last minute, I couldn't scare up another person to go. And I just. They're cursed. The I tickets know. are cursed. Well, now it's now over. It's I feel terrible. But um I I really like David Sedaris. Me Talk Pretty One Day. Mm-hmm. Just it was the first book that I really remember just laughing so hard. I you know, and I thought, oh, I should read more of these. Yeah, you know? and so essay um, essay. <laughs> so uh, it was it was really, and I know that he loves libraries. He yeah. was actually one of the um, main speakers at the. I can't remember if it was the American Library Association or the Public Library Association. One of those he was one of the main speakers at, and he um, it was really hilarious. And he told a story about women taking their bra off after work that I just loved that story. And it was one he was trying out. And so now I'm like, did that story did that get, get written anywhere? somewhere? Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I wonder it. if it's on YouTube. We should look. Mm. If it is, we'll put it in the show Okay, notes, good. Because, oh my gosh, that story made me laugh. I thought I've had so die. many conversations with people about that being like the ultimate just. I know. It was really, it was, it was, and it was fantastic to see him, you know, reading that and story. And trying out so. new material sort of. Yeah. And, yeah. Cool. and so, um, so that, and then of course, you know, because here, we're recording this here on the Tuesday um, before shove all the food in your face day. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be baking a lot. I'm not the cook. My husband does all of our cooking and he does all of the Thanksgiving cooking as well, mm-hmm. but I like to do a lot of the baking. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we're going to need an apple pie, a pumpkin pie, a Douglas County pie, plus toffee bars, which my grandma always made those, plus maybe even divinity. I don't know what two of those things. I mean, I know what an apple and pumpkin is. What's Douglas County? Douglas and then County also pie is something that's local. Um, the Par- Paradise, Cafe, Paradise Cafe used to, I mean, I'm sure everywhere has their version of this, but Paradise Cafe that used to be here on mm-hmm. Mass Street um, would serve it. And it it's just like pecan pie with chocolate chips in it mm, okay yes. what's divinity so good Div- you don't know what divinity girl, is girl i'm an atheist i have no idea what any of these oh. is that a divinity cake no it's these it's like little white um like drops of just pure sugar it's egg whites oh and that's sugar. what that's called yeah oh i just thought that they were like little are they like meringue like they're meringue they're drops? not they're soft and they should melt in your mouth if they're made correctly I've had they, that. it looks like meringue but it should not taste like meringue okay okay um, yeah no i have had that i didn't know they had a name i just thought they were like diabetes drops, drops. yeah drops because they're oh my gosh yeah um because but that the toffee bars and the divinity are things that my grandma always made around uh-huh. the holidays and then i do actually i shouldn't say i don't cook i make the cosmopolitan cranberries Is that which, what, oh yeah it's the one it has like a cup of vodka in it hey, maybe it's only a third a cup i don't we know how much i share this recipe because i am i put it in okay, the show good. notes because i'm gonna i'm in charge of making the cranberries it's the only Girl, thing i'm trusted with you make these because okay. i will tell you you eat them and then everybody is just pleasantly <laughs> relaxed nice. by the end of the meal and so um and if people insist on talking about politics just keep shoving more cosmopolitan cranberries on their plate because they need yeah. to just be a little yes between the vodka in the cranberries and the tryptophan in the (laughs) turkey they ought to be passed out before you know football starts so um that is what i'm doing and then i will also be letting the seams out on all my (laughs) over the over the holiday i think you can um you can you can sew those uh waistband extenders <laughs> oh, girl where you like you like loop happening. it i think you like loop it around your button are you just get, you know you just go old school and you just get like a rubber band and well you- <laughs> or i just think maternity pants is a great oh. idea for everybody yep i don't i don't think i have any left but i might just swing by the They're target gonna, yeah myself target's gonna run out on the day mm-hmm. after thanksgiving <laughs> um just wear your comfy clothes uh so well 
besides being in charge of making the cranberries, that's the only thing I'm. I mean, and I was told that if it didn't go well, because oh, I I could do the can. <laughs> so and I have no objection to yeah, the I can. No, right, I love a can. Of I would like love a can of cranberries, but I would like to try something different. So I will, and uh, I'll try that. Okay. okay. Um. So this week. Sunday and yesterday, Monday, um, the 19th and 20th of November. Uh, Sunday, I went to Colonial Resistance Day, which was at Abe and Jake's. Um, and it was this um, whole community event, uh, like honor, basically honoring um, groups who have been victim of colonization and, um, and celebrating their uh, survival, basically. Um, and it was a really beautiful event um the library had buttons there that said uh decolonize your bookshelf and (laughs) read resist repeat and and we have extra of those buttons if you ever want any yep um but and then last night there was a what was standing rock all about and it was at the library in the auditorium um and this gentleman came who was uh on like the front line at standing rock last year doing security and protecting elders and and, and protecting children and things. Um, and he showed a lot of videos mm-hmm. from, I think, a variety of maybe documentaries. Mm-hmm. And I can try to scare those up and, and put them in the show notes. But yeah, they were good. intense. Yeah, they were. Very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of graphic violence and language, obviously, because that is what happened. Um, but also... Um, the Cherry Creek Singers, I believe, is a is well, it's a drum circle from somewhere in Oklahoma, and they did a live drum circle in the auditorium. And if you did, if you don't like very loud noises, it would not be good for you. But <laughs> it was so powerful mm-hmm. that I just was crying. And their singing was so emotive. Um, it was a really it was a really beautiful uh, experience. And um, yeah, so I will uh, – there was a Facebook Live feed from the library broadcasting, I think, pretty much the entire thing. So I can link to that. Um, and the music in it is so good, even in mm. just the Facebook Live recording. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend oh, it. good. Um, yeah. And then also another thing is that there I just learned about this new magazine called And Both, and it's out of Hutchinson, Kansas, the – you know, hotbed of wow. <laughs> there must no, be I, more than we realize. There's yeah. There's this really cool bookstore, the Bluebird Bookstore, I think. Nice. Um, and I think the Danny Kane from the Raven has um, talked that up before. Uh, but they, uh, it's a it's a magazine created by women exploring art, language, and wholehearted living through the lens of intersectionality. It says every and both is for everyone willing to show up to the conversation. Um, I just bought a copy at the Raven. They're ten bucks. Nice. Um, I think they're going to be doing it quarterly. Uh, you can go to andbothmag.com um, for information about it. I think they're still developing their website, but okay. um, you can go to the Raven if you're in town. That's and, cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. It's I like I like anytime something local or semi-local mm-hmm. like is happening. That's yeah, and the, the art is in it. It's really beautiful, and it's it's a glossy magazine. Like they've they've done professional quality and. Uh, and so I'm excited about it. Cool, cool. Okay, we get qu- real quick. What's happening at LPL or in town? Um, well, uh, we've got, let's see, Winter Reading Bingo is coming up. We can talk more about that uh, on our next episode. Yeah, I'll have let's a little do bit that. more written up about it. <laughs> uh, and then also Seasonal Affective Disorder Lamps. We will have a total of four in the library that you can just use at any time, whether or not you have a library card. Um, and then eight checkoutable tablet size ones this is amazing guys i'm so glad that yeah i'm so glad that this is a thing that could happen i'm really i think every community could do this every community could make some lamps available Mm -hmm. they're 50 bucks they're like basically 50 45 to 52 Uh bucks a piece yeah and so if you've got any you know if you're listening and your library doesn't do this your library could do this and any, you know, if you have mental health organizations in town, they could be doing this and just, you know, get more uh, lamps out there for people to use because they really make a, a big difference for people yeah. when it gets dark like this. Sadly, there was a library in Missouri that had contacted me about doing this, mm-hmm. and then I followed up with them, and they said that they it wasn't really – it was going to be put on the back burner because they didn't see it as being – 
financially worthwhile for huh. the rest of the year besides like outside of the winter. And mm-hmm. so I would argue that it is a, the winter usage is so worthwhile that it makes yeah. up for. Mm-hmm. And just seeing the the you know the, yeah. the way people are responding on social media to mm-hmm. it um people are so excited about it and um if you know the community gets excited about it and feels like it's worthwhile then mm-hmm. i feel like you so know pressure we've, library we've done a good yeah we've done a good thing here if they want any information just um i'll put my email address and, and mm-hmm. give it to any librarian and i'll yeah i'll help you pressure them so, so also yeah go for it no oh next episode we're going to like a few days in a few days. Um, we're going to get everybody ready. It's our holiday gift giving cornucopia extravaganza. Yes. It'll be very soon. <laughs> so we'll try that. to put together some really cool books that um, you could give people for gifties or gift yourself. Gift yourself. If you don't have people in your life who are good gift givers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Treat yourself. Yes. Uh, right. The book of the unnamed midwife is there. You go. That's the, that's my answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> that will be a real winner at the holidays. Ooh. Yep. All, All right. right. Well, thank you and happy reading. Happy reading and pie eating. That's it for this edition of the Book Squad podcast. For more details on any of the books or events mentioned in this episode, visit our website lplks.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe. Please rate or comment. It helps others find the podcast. Our Book Squad librarians are Polly Ken and Kate Gramlich. Our theme music is by Heidi Lynn Gluck. I'm Jim Barnes, and this has been a production of the Lawrence Public Library.